Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at No Clutch Nate. My name is Darren, and you can find me on all social media at Derek Hurst. Awesome. Welcome back, Derek, Darren, and thank you so much for uh, joining us this week to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, it's just been great to to read the book that you wrote, The Snyderverse Saga. I really want to promote that one more time before we wrap up for the week. Um, just thank you for writing that. <laughs> hey, you know, and my pleasure. It's been so much fun being here and talking about this movie with you guys, and uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's, you know, writing the, writing the book itself is just, uh, to me, I feel like I owed it to, to not just Zach, but everybody who was involved with the making of these movies and telling the overall story of what happened and not even just so much like, you know, what the movies are about, but, you know, the perception of them, you know, the bigger picture and how people were talking about them was important too. And I, I made sh- you know extra sure that I kind of told the story of the book from a very neutral perspective. So even if people aren't yes. a huge fan of Zack Snyder or these movies, they can at least still appreciate it. They can still, you know, understand it because ultimately it's not my job to, you know, insert my opinion throughout the whole book, you know, like, you know, Joss Whedon's Justice League is awful. You know, that's not what I'm out here to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there are one or two moments where I literally could not help myself which I will, I will leave that to be a surprise. But in the, in the book where I may or may not have let my opinion slip in there just a little, but only for like really minor, minor, minor stuff. But overall, like it's just a, a very neutral perspective of the book, uh, of the overall story, and just kind of um, just like a nod of appreciation and a thank you to everybody who made these movies, you know, all the people, the, the cast, the crew, uh, the VFX artists, like everybody – well, and of course, yes. Zach and Debbie as well. So um, it, yeah. to, to write that book was just, it, it was an honor. And uh, to, to be able to talk about these movies and keep the conversation going, I think is is just so cool. Yeah, and, and kudos to, to the way that you were able to balance it. I, I, I remember the, the prologue and the, the foreword. Um, you know, you're, you're able to, to talk about who you are and be open about your, your stance, your opinions on the DC Cinematic Universe. Um, but then when you get into what the book is about, you keep it very objective with um, the history of what, is, what has happened um, in making these movies. And so I, I enjoy how you can be earnest of, of who you are and, 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 not, uh, and not make the book too, too biased or even too clinical where it just seems like I'm reading um, like a history that's completely stripped of, of any uh, tangi- tangibility um, to, to what we've gone through. So, um, yeah, fantastic work. Um, I also wanted to talk about your podcast, uh, Round 2. Um, I believe it's called like uh, the film sequel. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that podcast as well. For sure, yeah. No, um, yeah, I host my own podcast called Round 2, the film sequel where we talk about movie sequels, specifically the second movie in a film franchise and the magical feeling of returning for the sequel, as I like to say. So, um, I, <laughs> and I cover all different genres, all different kinds of movies from all different time periods. Um, usually most of the time I usually will let my guest, I'll, I'll seek out a certain guest and they'll pick out the movie to talk about if it hasn't been covered. And, and it, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's cool because a lot of my favorite movies are the second movie in a franchise, right? 
So, okay. uh, you know, like everybody talks about, oh, this movie's the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy or, you know, the Two Towers of whatever <laughs> or, you know, the Dark Knight of whatever, you know, franchise. So I always, uh, to me, it's just a lot of my favorites are the second for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they're darker. Maybe it's because they get to, you've already introduced those characters and now you can really live in that world. I don't know, but mm, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's fun to explore and really... Uh, talk about what it's like to come back for the second movie in a franchise so yeah it's 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 been so much fun talking uh movie sequels and that's round two of the film sequel nice so i'm guessing dawn of justice was a big one for you as well it was and to this day it is still by far the most listened to episode of, oh, that's of the awesome. podcast i had oh is it <laughs> yeah i had uh john aaron garza on because i knew oh, okay. i knew like obviously like i i was very familiar with you know working with him writing for them and listening to him for like the real emotion and all that and uh th- he's never at a loss for words with talking about his love for for that movie so for don justice so uh it, it was a great yeah. conversation yeah yeah we had john on for suicide squad minute i can't remember which minutes we were talking about specifically but we were in a like the snyder cut was still you know that mythical creature that everyone talked about and um I remember, yeah, we were, we were in that era, so um, we were all feeling the pain at that point. I remember John being on the podcast to talk about it. Um, and, and even so, we still, we still don't have um, the air cut of Suicide Squad, but that too would be like a movie that one day we would like to see. Um, but yeah, that, that is fantastic. I, so highly recommend you guys check out Round 2 as well, and definitely check out The Snyderverse Saga. It's a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Um, But let's talk about today's minute. This is our final minute for this week. It's minute 120 of part four change machine. Um, It's going to start with Alfred celebrating the scientific results of the uh, new gauntlets that Batman has on his armor, which is um, dissipating the energy from the parademons. Um, And then the minute's going to end with the flash noticing imminent danger. And Darren, I'm so sorry you don't get to talk about this part (laughs) of the movie, but we were talking about speedsters doing cool stuff. Um, the minute's going to cut right off before the flash does something really cool. And I don't think, um, any speedster has really done this on film in this way, but yeah, uh, Darren, if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it was so cool because, you know, you, you, it, it's one of those things where like in, in storytelling, like the Pixar method, right? The Pixar thing is like, once you like introduce these high stakes, um, and you're in the middle of the moment and like, it's like a false victory. You think you finally gotten, gotten, you finally accomplished your task. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, now the stakes have been elevated even more just when you didn't think they could. And, uh, it, it lends itself to, to, it's a great storytelling technique. And it's, it's really cool to see that in play here because flash is like, ah, you see that moment of like, we got everybody out, you know, we're, we're getting out what's going to be right. And all of a sudden the rubble, you know, crashing coming down from above. And it's, and also you see that panic, like, Oh no, Oh no. You know, and then, of course, that's a great moment that Victor has coming in, and and of course, you know, giving the, you know the final stamp on that moment. But um, yeah, no, and, and also, yeah, like like you mentioned, the, the way that he was uh, not like you mentioned earlier about him not feeling uncomfortable like touching people, like when he's using his uh, when he's going really fast, right? When he's running, and. Yes. He doesn't have to worry about that because he's taking out the rock, like the rubble, like he's, and he's yes. going so fast that you almost see multiple flashes at the same time on the screen, which is just 
really cool visual aesthetic, just incredible that how they're able to do that. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, uh, and, and also I guess another thing that I forgot to mention earlier that it stands out here when they're, especially when they're outside too, is uh, the Justice is Grey version. Like it, it also, mm. the aesthetic really lends itself almost perfectly to to the black and white version of this movie, which is incredible because it, it I, I kid you not, it is almost like they planned to do this when they were shooting the movie because it just, it matches so well, you know, both for both versions of the movie. It's just, it, it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, the justice is great version. It's, it's, I feel like it's more than just black and white version of the movie. Like there's almost like it, it just feels different. It feels it, it, like you said, it feels almost like it was made to be that way in a sense. Um, so it's, yeah, it is something if, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, there is a black and white version. Justice is gray version of, of Zack Snyder's justice league um, in which the color is completely removed. Um, and that's because in, in Zack Snyder's um, uh, I, I hate to call it depression, but um he really did find solace in, in, in looking at this movie and, and editing it um, while it was just completely in black and white. Um, and, you know, when we talk about grieving and and, and um, what can be therapeutic to someone, um, he really did find that in, in looking at this movie. And we all saw um, the Vero post where he would post clips of this movie and it, it really got the community stirring, you know, the release of Snyder Cut movement and seeing images that just didn't, that were nowhere to be found in the 2017 version. Um, he always posted them in black and white. And then it's, and now we realize that maybe he wasn't color correcting those images before posting them. He, he did the whole film was just in black and white as he was um, editing and, and rewatching it and reviewing it. So um, it is, it is quite. It is something to be seen, especially if you are a huge fan of the director, um, to go see um, a director's vision. Justice is Grey would be would be that way. Um, uh, we talked about a giant robot in this one, and <laughs> yes, in in this <laughs> in this minute we are introduced to the Nightcrawler. I know the Nightcrawler was um, kind of glimpsed at in um, in in last week's minutes where they just kind of jumped off of it, but they don't really show it because there's a big lens flare blocking it. Um, but Alfred does activate the remote mode for, to pilot this night crawler that we see here. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I personally really love this thing. Uh, Nathan, what's your thoughts on the night crawler? Um, it's great. Uh, it, I love to see Batman in a mecha. I mean, it, it's something that just in particular moments it fits. Um, and like, if you can make this situation where it, where the need for that type of machinery is supposed to be used, um, it just like makes sense. You know, you don't really question when Batman jumps in a car and is just screaming down the streets of an empty city, right? You don't question mm-hmm. it. Um, but when he like uses other, you know, devices or or larger machinery that's larger than a car is usually when people put it in a question and it always is the rocket ship thing it's like what i understand i get it like it kind of makes sense where it's like oh my god he does have everything well yeah like he does have everything so 
uh, utilize that, you know? <laughs> it makes it funny when it's like, oh, well, he's obviously like just, you know, pulling it out of nowhere, you know, back pocket rocket ship, you know, like, oh, yeah, of course you got a rocket ship. That's where I can see where the disconnect is. Um, but this is obviously like, you know, a Batman that relies heavily on particular transportation, particular modes of transportation. We've seen that in, uh, you know, previous movies. Um, and it also makes sense uh, a lot of the times, uh, especially with the with the Batwing. Um, a lot of flying is necessary, in, especially in Dawn of Justice. I mean, you really just can't get away with just a car at some times, you know? That's just a fault of the character itself. It's a, a flaw of the character in its design, um, which it's fun because, you know, the car is an addition, but also it's a necessity on many occasions. Um, so, like, if you just interchange the car with the other devices, it still should have that same feel, you know? Um, yeah. And it makes a lot of sense in this moment. Uh, this is, uh, at the end of the day, it's a Justice League fight. So you kind of are expecting kind of uh, big flair from Batman. You're, you're expecting that. You're not really, he, he can't just get away with hiding in the shadows and rafters and, you know, stringing parademons up kind of, kind of deal with a grapple gun. Um, yeah. He's got to get his hands dirty. Uh, it's a great mecha. I, I think it's, it's awesome. Um, I'm glad it's not like uh, a humanoid type thing. Uh, I really just love the design of the night the Nightcrawler because um, it's something that was completely brand new to me. Um, and just seeing how comfortable that this Ben Affleck Batman has been in the previous movie with these machines, it just makes so much sense. And now that this is just like a super armored vehicle that can scale a wall yeah that's awesome you know yeah like what are you going to use that what kind of construction projects are you going to use that for it's like this <laughs> isn't Wayne... this isn't a christopher yeah. nolan explanation you don't need this this doesn't exist in construction why would you use this as construction like even gundams yeah. when they're using mobile suits it's like what are you talking why would you use that and then you draw the line to mobile suits and then war and it's like yeah well duh you kind of did it already on the step one you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah from design yeah, yeah no I'm, that's an excellent point you make there um i think um and and that's what separates Zack Snyder treating these heroes more fantastical than Nolan was, you know, very, very realistic. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes people don't see the difference, but this would be one of those moments where the Batman that we have here, you know, he has this Nightcrawler. It's called the Nightcrawler. It's uh, it's it's like a bat so that it can climb the walls. It, it acts just like a bat would. And, and and people would think, oh, well, bats fly. And it's like, yes, they do. We have the bat wing, of course. It looks like a bat. Um, but the Nightcrawler really does look and feel like a bat as it climbs up the wall. And um, with, with Dawn of Justice, it, it came out with an art of book, but it also came out with a tech manual because the design that, that Zack Snyder and Patrick Titopoulos, as they really tried to create the world and 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 just like they, you know, with Man of Steel, they created the mythos for Superman and Krypton and, and all that stuff. To create the mythos of, of this Batman in this universe, the tech manual really was that Bible of like, this is this is Batman and Alfred's world of the tech that they create and they use. And um, I remember they really went back and forth on, on, on just what the grapple gun was going to look like. And that alone became the definition 
of how this Batman is. And so when we see this Nightcrawler, um, like you said, Nate, like this doesn't this doesn't really make sense because in this world, Batman makes these toys to to have fun with, and and um, and so there is there is fun to be had with with the idea of what this Nightcrawler is, and also like you said, it is a very Justice League Batman thing to do because this is like a this is a vehicle that is to be used in this combat scenario. Um, there are rockets attached to it on the top of it. And there, I mean, it, it, probably not a surprise, but there is a toy of it. Um, and, and, and that's another thing about Batman and, and everything that gets made up for a Batman movie is that some of this has to end up being a toy. And the Nightcrawler is like, as if I was a kid to the, at this time that this came out, I'd be like, I want that toy because even in, in the 2017 version, I was like, that thing's cool. I want that if I was a kid uh, or even not as a kid. If I, if I saw that, I never did see this in, in a target or whatever, but um, just looking it up, I see that Mattel did create um, a nightcrawler toy and it does have like the rockets that shoot out towards, you know, when, when they shoot a rocket at Steppenwolf um, at the end of this fight scene, um, that it's like, oh, they did they, they they put the rockets that they showed in the movie and all the cool stuff that the Nightcrawler can do. Um, they probably should put like sh- suction cups on it or something so you can put the Nightcrawler on the wall or something. But uh, yeah, it's just overall, it's a it's a fantastic conception of of, of, of a Batman vehicle for the Justice League. Um, again, we'll see it with the Flying Fox later, but I I always uh, love the idea. I like the Flying Fox. Uh, I, I'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it later. It's I don't uh, okay. <clears throat> but it's because it's so Justice League to me, um, and that it's so bat related. Like it looks like a bat. It acts like a bat. Uh, <laughs> everything I can go on and on. everything looks like a bat. This guy's crazy. But, everything looks like a freaking but, bat. What? It's the, it's the concept of it, but it's also that they abide by the tech manual that they created. So. When we have these shots of, of, of Ben Affleck getting into this Nightcrawler, yeah, and then it shows the control panel, which we're talking about Gundam, yeah, and this is where I wanted to to continue bouncing off what you just said, uh, reminding me a lot of uh, the anime shots of you know let's hit the sequence panels, flip the switch, flip this on, and then the computer yeah. screen will be like, all right, activated. Yeah, we've done all, we've hit all the all the um, switches and. Uh, maybe not like Gundam, but more so like uh, Robotech or Super Macross, where it has like those. Yeah, or even um, Pat Labor did a lot of it. They do a lot of those close-up shots and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. It's very just, like I said, Batman in a mecha, you really have to like go sideways for it to go wrong. And it is, in my opinion, hard to go sideways when you go Batman mecha. It just seems like the one road, you know? You just have to... You get to that point because that thing is useful and then just kind of follow through. New 52 did it in a way when they, you know, got later on in the game. <clears throat> After Endgame, uh, Jim Gordon mm. used a bat mecha uh, for a while and I was I was about it. It was great. It was some fun stuff. Um, him getting into it is one of the coolest Batman entrances ever, you know, and that's like I, I imagine the conception of that shot was just like glorious because you kind of have to make it glorious it's like okay batman usually gets in his car like really cool right you could 
slide on the hood, the cape goes flying, anything. Like, you know, even, uh, like, uh, Schumacher Batman has some really good That's cape think work. About. Like, <laughs> yeah, really good cape work, especially getting in the Batmobile and out of the Batmobile and everything. Um, this, like, you just kind of have to go tenfold, and you just kind of got to, like, hit those points. Batman does, like, a just a double jump, doesn't even grab the handrail, just goes over the bar, knees up to his chest, and then you get the cape in the full fashion. Like, that just is perfect. Um, it makes yeah. so much sense. It's something that I love to see. It's imagery of this character that I really pine for when I'm going into these movies. Absolutely. Darren, what are your thoughts on the Nightcrawler? I think I think Batman more than one up Steppenwolf idea of utilizing technology for a crawling creature. I mean, this little <laughs> thing that is squished, nah. This is this is how you do it. And then it's yeah. the Nightcrawler, you know, crawling up, you know. And just like the, the technical aspect of uh, of how, like, like Batman, he, he jumps and, like, lands in and, like, takes control. It, it seems subtle, but the way that it was done was really cool and how he lands in, but then had to just, like, turn and, like, face the other way and gets into place. And then, like, I don't know, just the way that it was executed was just, like, really interesting, you know, visually speaking, I guess. Where if he could have just yeah. landed in it and it was like, okay, let's go. But the fact that they landed it and, like, he's, like, like, I don't know. It, it it brought me back to to BVS in a way, and how like he's you know like the buttons and everything, and how, and even like I also have to say too with him and Alfred, I mean they have great banter, you know, and and Jeremy and Ben have such great chemistry together, you know. I'll, I'll say this: I really really wished we could have explored that in a, another solo movie, but uh, you know I guess it's not meant to be. Sadly, that was one of my favorite chapters to write in my book was talking about what that movie could have been like. And yes, yes. It, was, it was hard to write because I was sad because that was the movie I was most looking forward to. But I mean, I, at the same time, I'm just, I, 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 you know, when it comes to like Ben and everything that he went through and I, I just, I want him to be happy, you know, and Arrow's yeah. an awesome movie yes. and he's doing what he loves and Zach's doing his thing with Netflix. So, I mean, as, as much as I wish I could have seen that and explored more between those characters in, this, in a solo movie. Uh, I, I'm just glad that the, the people themselves, you know, like Zach and Ben, everyone, and they're just that, that they're happy doing their thing. Ben's back yeah. with JLo. He's winning every single day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That man's and in heaven. It, it, was, it was surprising to see Jeremy Irons return as Alfred in the Flash movie. I wasn't expecting him to be in that movie whatsoever. Um, but it, like you said, they, they have great chemistry. Uh, this is... I mean, this Alfred, it's hard to say if he's my favorite Alfred because there really are just really great Alfreds in, in Batman um, the TV shows and movies. Um, I think it's hard to get Alfred wrong in, in any depiction. But the Alfred here being so on top of things like, um, let me be the man in the chair for the Justice League. Let me help, you know, with the Nightcrawler in remote mode. Um, even doing that in, in, in Dawn of Justice. Um just the way that this Alfred is portrayed is so tangible, so practical that it's like, oh, I, I, I like this Alfred because he's more than just the voice of reason. He's more than just a chorus. And he's more than just um, the guy that's waiting at the house. Like, yeah, that's the biggest thing. He's he's involved so much in every aspect. I mean, he's listening to every single thing that's happening always. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's great that he is so incorporated 
and that the two of them like are a unit like that is mm-hmm. especially in this movie when the, everybody's being introduced you know a little bit later on to Alfred like this is like this is my partner like we would be dead I'd be dead so many times over if if this guy wasn't here and you know I'm a yeah. crazy guy he's he's level-headed so everybody's yeah, up to he, speed great cool you make sure I don't end up in Arkham yeah um but yeah so uh, a Batman jumping into the Nightcrawler that, yeah, is a fantastic moment. Just the, the shot of the, the Batman jumping off the ledge, the cape opens up, you get this great silhouette of the Batman and the, the kind of like the bat iconography. And then, like you said, it, it's simple, but it's so effective in how rough and tumble the, you know, the Batman gets into the cockpit of this Nightcrawler where it's not too fantastical where he just you know slides in and kind of like power rangers and they're yeah. he's ready to go it's not a power um, ranger sequence that's another thing because even the the view of the cockpit of him with the whole lights behind that is a megazord like it that's right there and it's <laughs> like because of it being so symmetrical and just clean and perfect and just centered you know bust shot up that's a megazord shot but the yeah. way that he lands in the nightcrawler he lands with his chest. Like he's yeah. He goes in chest first, like, and he's just like, ah, I guess missed that one. Like, didn't gauge that. I guess. <laughs> I just, <laughs> yeah. I think what it does well is it it shows control because determination. It, well, yeah, but the payoff is it, it, so. Um, you know, he's fighting the parademon. He's getting tossed around. He finally he wins against one parademon, and the nightcrawler's here, and there's all this gunfire. And, you know, he, he can dissipate the energy with gauntlets, but, you know, he's still overwhelmed. And so he jumps, he leaps onto this Nightcrawler. Everything is still kind of chaotic to him. And he's struggling to get into the cockpit. And the camera work shows all of that, shows all of that frustration, that struggle. And then once he slides into the cockpit, once it has that camera that just shows everything being symmetrical and you have the Batman front and center... And everything is equal on the other thirds. It's like, boom! Batman is now back in control of the situation. Very much and, so. And that is like how you show a character regaining his foothold. And so, like now we'll see. And next week, it's like it's his turn. You know. So it is. It is a fantastic moment for it. And I kept watching it over and over because you have it on loop for us as we record. But like the way that they're able to have the camera um, showing the correct orientation of the Nightcrawler, and then once Batman gets in control, that the camera would shift to show him leveled with the Nightcrawler. It then shows like he's now gaining control because now we're going from an obscure position to he's sitting correctly. So the camera then um, rolls. I think is the correct term. <laughs> you know, when, when, you, when you talk about that moment, it really makes me think about like how every every aspect of this movie is an extension of each other, right? And, you know, I know Zach has always mentioned like how not just the movie, but each moment has to have a beginning, middle, and end. And, you know, let alone act or a scene, but each moment has to have that. It's also great writing by Chris Terrio. And at the same time, I think it's also really... And it's also really cool, but with like Damon Caro, 
because mm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think he is literally the like him and Zach are the masters of utilizing uh, space and fight choreography and action scenes. I think that the way that they're able to do that, uh, it, it just works on that level of you know each each piece, each moment is an extension of, of each other and how it all correlates into one big story and, and you know like a scene or an act or you know one of the main parts of the movie. So uh, I just think it's so cool. You know, when it comes to, you know, Fabian Wagner with the way that he was able to to capture that with the camera, the way that Chris Terrio wrote it, the way that Damon Caro was able to choreograph it, right? And Richard Strone able to pull it off too, and, and Ben Affleck, of course. So, uh, and that's not just Batman, that's also with the other characters too, right? With Ezra Miller as Flash and, and even uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, because every character in this moment kind of has an up and a down moment, you know? Like it's yes. not just it's not just consistent across the board. I mean, Wonder Woman kind of gets knocked around a little bit, but then she also takes off Steppenwolf and knocks him in and into the wall, which ends up causing that rubble to fall, right towards yeah. Flash. So everything just connects so beautifully to each other. It's just it's just so well done overall. Yeah, and and, and one of my notes for Wonder Woman in this moment, like, as we see um, Steppenwolf really try to take the advantage from her and the momentum. Um, it reminded me, excuse me, of a, a, a parallels with Mera in Atlantis. So when when Steppenwolf is attacking um, for the Atlantis Atlantean mother box, and he's fighting Mera um, before Aquaman shows up, and so when she's about to do the hydrokinesis on him, he throws her into a wall and then pins her, and so she, then she has to use the hydrokinesis. You see a moment here with Wonder Woman and it's almost like oh he's about to do that same thing because without the hydrokinesis Mera would have died and so Steppenwolf kind of has like these like power plays where he knows he has the winning move to to um to knock out the king and and, and checkmate basically um that happens here with, with Wonder Woman it's like oh he's gonna win unless she moves and, and of course Wonder Woman is is you know um a demigod and the soon to be god of war she understands strategy and so she's able to to move out of the way before steppenwolf kind of pins her to the wall and and can kill her so um it's just like to me it seems like a parallel to what happened with mara and um yeah that's why that's that's why wonder woman would win in a fight against mara i guess (laughs) some some sort of alternate universe (laughs) um but yeah, that's my only note for Wonder Woman on that one. Yeah, um, I really like the uh, the diving board uh, animation that happens to the catwalk when Steppenwolf jumps off of it. It's just a little bit of detail that I think it's fun. Just this metal grate that got, you know, cut off. So it obviously has some weight distribution issues. And this giant monster alien is essentially springboarding off of it. Um, yeah. It's just a cool, cool little CGI detail. Um always important to me i think that that's something you and i have talked about for years nathan is is weight yeah and if if a giant alien monster is jumping off something that's been rusting since 1929 it better look like that thing is yeah been you know as uh, it will suffer the weight of a of a giant alien monster so um yeah always important to see details like that um one of the funny things that I that I think is is enjoyable is um, in the very beginning of this minute when Batman is retreating, um, 
and he's running and his only defense is just these gauntlets and like him realizing it after stepping into this room where it's you know this is just mad this is hell you know he's on a catwalk it's just chaos in a tube you know he doesn't know what is only way out is up kind of kind of deal um or down well, I mean, I, well, I don't know. He saw what happened if you go down, you get splattered like the parademon. Oh, yeah, he kicked him yeah, yeah. in the head. And saw it and was like, dang, all right, don't fall down. <laughs> don't, don't do that. So then it's like putting the idea, guess I got to go up. Let me crawl up the wall. Um, it's just great. Great, great fight sequence, great action sequence. Um, I'm curious if, um, if at some point um, the idea to change a lot of this in the 2017 version came from it being too closely looking to the end fight scene at times uh i thought about that a lot during this week i was thinking like i wonder if that ever like crossed the mind so you you know just inherently start cutting things out and maybe that's why we didn't get the full picture of this whole tunnel sequence in 2017 or anything of the sort so there's something that there's a real drastic change in the 2017 justice league and it's it's how batman even communicates with the team um we won't see it in this minute but when he says my turn in next week whereas in the 2017 version he says i didn't bring a sword i brought the nightcrawler um the movie carries itself differently and another reason why I don't like that version of the movie is because Batman in, in this movie is trying to atone for um, how he failed Superman. Um, and, you know, he's trying to be a better person. He's trying to bring this team together. And if you have a person really trying to bring a team together, why would you also belittle them and 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 not want to be part of the team? Which is like, I understand that there yeah. there's Justice League stories where Batman is like that, where he's like, I don't want to be part of this team. I work better alone. But in this movie, you have to realize that Batman was <laughs> the, whole was the one cr- creating the team. <laughs> the whole so, point was for him because I got to get this team together. Yeah. And so like it in the 2017 version, it kind of changes things to show that he doesn't want to be part of this team, but it's like, you're, yeah. you're the re- wrong place, wrong time to change a movie like that. So <laughs> that, I think that's where it starts to, they start to change, um, the tone and the pace of, of this fight scene and, and in Pajornov where, um, uh, they do the same thing where he's just like, get in there and get it done. Whereas in this version, he, he'll say, this is why I brought you guys together. This is the team. And it's like, oh, there you go. There's the uh, redeemed Batman that I saw at the end of Dawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. So uh, just just inconsistencies is, is what I would say about the 2017 version. And yeah, we're not talking about that one. Well, we kind of are. I, I, I welcome it. I You know, um, you know we're not just... It, we call it Zack Snyder's Justice League Minute or whatever, Um but I think it's important to talk about what did change um, and, and, and highlight why we think it's, it's inherently wrong. Um, even if, if you enjoy the 2017 version movie, that's also great. I mean, if you, if you enjoy that movie, um, I, I think if a, if, a, if a kid watches it and, and loves it, I think it's fantastic. But we, knowing the context outside of it, it's like, 
we need to have a conversation about why it's um, unethical, I think is the best way to put it, in, in, in that final version. So well, there's a lot of red flags in it. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> Darren, do you have thoughts on the 2017 version? I hate to ask you. <laughs> oh, man, where do I start? Um, I, I usually try not to think of that version if I don't have to. But uh, uh, When's the last it, time you've seen it? The, in its entirety? Yeah. In the movie theater. Okay. Did you only see it once? I only saw it once in the movie theater. I mean, I've seen clips on YouTube and stuff. And yeah. Like, I just, I, I mean, I, I guess I technically own it, but I don't have a reason, I guess, to watch it because I have Zack Tyre Justice Slate, right? Yeah. Which, I, I don't know. I, we, I think we could be here all day talking about the things that we don't like about that version of the movie. But the inherent fact that, that, that and, you know, the, ver, the the reason why Batman gets to, to team together is to defeat Steppenwolf, right? And in Zack's version of the movie, it's not just like, like Superman comes back and, and obviously like he's the cherry on top, but it's everybody working together that defeats Steppenwolf, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has a purpose and a reason and a moment to shine. In the theatrical version, when Superman comes back, he just handles it easily like nothing. It was yeah. like the reason they got the team together was pointless. So yeah. it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the movie and, and then the way that it was edited and put together. So to me, that alone is why I just I have no desire to to revisit that movie, and I just I like this movie so so much with Zach's, Zach's version. So, um, but but no, the the only positive thing I can say about that uh, 2017 version was my experience watching it, which is really weird to say. If I may, can I tell a quick story? I, oh, by oh, all means, yes, I'm already invested. We welcome it. <laughs> okay. So I, I've mentioned this back when I was first uh, promoting my book, uh, when, my, when, my, when my book got published and I was promoting it. Uh, and so basically, when it came to the 2017 version of Justice League, I, I was like, okay, this is the last version. That, this is most likely the last DC movie that Zack's going to make, you know, because I kind of saw the writing on the wall. They claimed it was still going to be true to Zack's vision. Obviously, in mm-hmm. retrospect, we know that wasn't true. But back <laughs> then, like, that's what they kept telling us. And of course... That last trailer that they had, had uh, Henry was in it as Clark, and he talks about the ring with Lois, right? And at the time, I was kind of preparing, like I was going to propose to my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and I was like, oh, this would be perfect. Oh, well, we'll go to the movie together. We'll watch it. That scene will be in the movie, and it'll foreshadow it, and then I'll propose after it. It'll be great. It'll be amazing. And we watch the movie, and it's not in the movie. And... <laughs> I was just, I was like, shoot, what do I do? You know, like, do I, I, I have to, I, like, I've committed to this, you know, like, I, I can't not, you know, like all the, everything, all the pieces were in motion, you know, like a lot, like other people, family members knew behind the scenes what was going to happen. So it was this really, really strange situation. And I kind of had a lot of anxiety of like, shoot, well, now what do I do? And this oh movie God. is clearly not, a, this is clearly not a Zack Snyder movie. And this is, I don't know, this is, this is really, I don't know. I, don't, I, I was just, I didn't know what to think. But, uh, you know, at the end, uh, I, I still went through that. I still proposed. <laughs> I'm very glad I did. It was an excellent night. Uh, I think at the time I kind of had rose-colored glasses on because I was like, yeah, you know, that movie wasn't that bad. It was okay. Yeah, yep. you know, yeah. Yep. And, then, and, yep. and, then, and then I think the next morning it kind of like wore off and I was like, oh, yeah. Uh. yeah. So, yeah. so, so getting the, the actual real true version of this movie to come out uh, and be able to watch it. You know, it's, it's very cathartic. It brings everything full circle, no pun intended. 
I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I. Wow. Boy. <laughs> what? A, what an experience. What a what, what a roller coaster of, of emotions, yeah. man. For you. Well, I'm congratulations. Yeah, I'm glad it worked yeah, out. Like, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're married. It's, life's good. You know. So. <laughs> oh boy, man, that would be so awkward. Uh, yeah, and and you lived that. Um, it was a just, it was a quiet card ride for us when we saw it together, and then we 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 saw it a second time in theaters because we were going to do a review. We did do a review podcast for it, and we were like, well, let's go see it one more time because you see things twice before you review it, so that you really can solidify your feelings um and i think at the time we gave the movie kind of like a b rating we were just kind of like or or like a high c if anything we we're just like it wasn't what we exactly wanted but or we understand there were some changes and we enjoyed it but then i i remember over time like there were just i mean there were just hundreds of photos just from the trailers that people would be like this isn't in the movie yeah this isn't in the movie and i'd be like yeah, this wasn't in the movie. What the heck? And like, it just kept happening, happening. And just things that were in the trailer, like not even stuff that Zach was posting on Vero or concept art or other images. It was just what the trailers were showing were going to be in the movie and to not see it. It was like, what did I just watch then? Yeah. You know? And then, and then you start finding out that there are certain scenes that were just filmed completely new from Joss Whedon's writing. And it, yeah. Anyways, um, it was, we had rose colored glasses too. And, uh, like I said, it was a, it was a quiet car ride where we were just like, I think that was good. (laughs) Um, but it's kind of like, that's what, if that's what we get. Oh, all right. Yeah. Nothing we can do about it, you know, and move on. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So that wasn't um, the case. We got this wonderful piece of, of artistry and, uh, we're able to, (laughs) sit down for an entire week and and talk about uh it in a minute by minute format just the fact that this movie exists now that you can watch this version is like like a miracle that's a feat it it feels like a miracle to be able to watch this movie now uh to this day so um well darren i I just want to thank you so much for for joining us on on dc cinematic minute um it's been an excellent time just hearing your thoughts your opinions on on the on the cinematic universe and and to really talk about you know your mindset writing the book the Snyderverse saga um just an incredible feat the, the amount of work it would take to to catalog everything that happened um you know, just one more time before you leave you want to just talk about your book a little bit and, and where people can find you or, or and find the book <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know thank you for having me on and talking about the book and and it's, you know, it's been a pleasure and it's, it's been so much fun talking to you guys and even listening to you guys just prepping for this was a lot of fun. So it makes me want to go back and listen to your guys' coverage of uh, Donna Justice. So that was our uh, favorite. Yeah. Like we, we put a lot, that was our, at least from my opinion, that was my, like, that was my pride and joy. I loved discussing that movie minute by minute. Everything was, there was so much new. Every episode was mm-hmm. something new to find. It was really, that was a a great time in my life. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, these movies really are the gift that keeps giving, honestly. I mean, every time I watch, I I can kind of learn something new or see something or think about something in a different way that I hadn't thought of before. And having conversations like this is, a, is an excellent way to kind of explore that further, you know, and, and to really talk about these things uh, in a fun environment. So, um, yeah, and of course, with the book itself, I mean, 
it, it was a little bit of a journey. Um, I, I mean, being that I wrote a lot of it at co- during the you know COVID pandemic and whatnot, you know, I was at home, so I was able to. Uh, it gave me a little bit more time to kind of do that. But uh, you know, it, it's you know, I cover you know, Man of Steel. There's a section about uh, Justice. I talk about all like the changes that happened behind the scenes after that movie, the fallout, if you will. And mm-hmm. then you know, I cover you know like a legacy section, talking more about kind of the overall you know thoughts about the, the movies, and, um, and then of course I ended up with, with uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League and everything leading up to that. And uh, it's just it was it was so cool. I covered you know a lot of it was kind of off the top of my head, but. There are still things that I kind of had to learn. And, and the other thing, too, is I had to find all the, the sources to back everything up, too. So there's yeah. like there's like over 800 footnotes in the book just purely because, you know, I, I wanted to, like, be as thorough as possible and and yeah, that, that credibility aspect as well to kind of like, no, this actually did happen. These people actually did talk about it, you know. And, uh, I mean, some of my favorite chapters, I mean, a lot of people seem to really like the Man of Steel section, which is really cool. It was really mm-hmm. fun to write. Um well, it was kind of funny because when I first started writing the book, it was very Dawn of Justice BVS centered. I was thinking of calling the book BVS and have it be like focused specifically on this movie and kind of, you know, yeah, Man of Steel happened. Here's kind of what happened to Man of Steel. Big focus on BVS. And then kind of like the ending was kind of like, here's everything that happened afterwards, kind of. But then, of course, when, you know, Zack Snyder Justice League Snyder Cut gets announced, I was like, I'm just going to do all of it and do all of it justice, no pun intended. So, um, yeah, I kind of just kind of explored it and flushed it out, and I'm so glad I did. And I, I even cover stuff like, you know, like like the rumors and stuff of like just the hype people had, you know, of like Scoop McNary's going to be the Flash because he has the the green, you know, stuff on his, his yeah, legs, you know, or sleeves, just yeah, yeah, Justin Bieber's going to be Robin, and it's like what? And so it's just there's a lot of crazy, the red the Reddit stuff I posted in there too, like the plot leaks, the supposed plot leaks, and. Um, but not, and then uh, like I also cover uh, like the the A over E the the Ray Fisher yeah stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a whole chapter dedicated specifically to that topic, and that was a really tricky chapter to write because I'm trying not to offend anybody, but at the same time I'm trying to explain both sides of it. I guess you could say in a in a you know the best way I could you know without being harmful. Obviously, I you know like I mentioned before, everybody has an opinion. I have an opinion, right? You know. But at the same time, it's like it was mainly about covering what happened and letting the reader kind of, you know, feel about it however they want to feel about it. So that was just kind of the biggest thing for me. And uh, it was a journey and it was a really fun one. And, you know, it's, you know, like I guess the best way to describe it is it's a gift that keeps on giving. So very much. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of like the whole reason with this show, we enjoy having people to to talk about these movies and have fun with it because it seems like it's like people can't enjoy their time talking about these movies. It always has to be about the discourse about the making of these movies and should they have made these movies, you know, or, you know, should Zack Snyder direct more of these movies? And when we invite guests to be on the show like you or John Aaron Garza, we get to talk about it in a way that's fun and we can joke around and we can be passionate about DC comic book heroes or be passionate about Zack Snyder's work in a way that's just like, isn't a safe environment. Everyone can just chill and just enjoy. And we can talk about, you know, whatever's happening on the screen. We, we will get into like the behind the scenes stuff because we've all done that research. Um, but it's like, 
more of celebratory. We get to celebrate the movies uh, instead. Um, the the Man of Steel section that you mentioned, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, it's it's good to be reminded about um, everything that went into into making that movie because I remember those days as well. Um, but we we lived in those moments and. Eventually, there there'll be kids who pick up Zack Snyder's Justice League, and then they find out why it's called Zack Snyder's Justice League versus the the, the other version. And um, eventually, people will look towards his book and, and and learn something that they weren't a part of, and, and the culture that that happened in, in making this movie. So, um, yeah, just it's just a fantastic documentation of of the life we lived. So, um, thank you so much for for talking about it. And also, guys, don't forget to check out Round 2, the film sequel, Darren's podcast as well. You can find find that out as well. All right, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover our show as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can chat with us on Twitter at DCEU Minutes. And if you'd like to hear more bonus content, we also have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one here on DC Cinematic Minute.